G'day and welcome back to the Talking Leadership TV podcast series. My guest today is Robert Guignard. He's an entrepreneur, speaker, and prostate cancer survivor. He's the creator of the Shoe Sockum, a shoe, socks, and umbrella bag. It's a compartmentalized tote bag designed for women who wear sneakers to work and later change into workwear for the office. The Shoe Sockum was sold at Nordstrom's and other major retailers and was also featured in national newspapers and fashion magazines. As a result of his prostate cancer journey, Robert created Dibby Dibby, Dream It, Believe It, Do It, Be It, an awareness campaign and lifestyle brand to encourage people to live out their dreams. Additionally, he serves as a creator, producer and host of Intentionally Overheard with Robert Guignard, a podcast that highlights stories of people who dared to dream and committed to making their dreams come true and i'd like to thank robert for having me on as a guest on his podcast robert is a sought after speaker and is a frequent guest on local and national radio and television programs his products and brand have been featured in red book usa today the wall street journal the new york times the washington post the baltimore sun ebonymagazine.com the dr nandy show sirius xm and many other publications and radio and television news outlets as a prostate cancer survivor robert has appeared before congress specifically the senate appropriations committee to share his prostate cancer story and advocate for increased funding for prostate cancer research he's the immediate past chairman of the board of directors of zero the end of prostate cancer robert was named one of cancer health magazine's 2020 change makers making a difference for others living with cancer he lives in baltimore with his wife karen and their two daughters My discussion with Robert today is focused on lifelong learning. I know you'll enjoy this podcast. Thanks again for your support and enough from me and over to Robert. Robert Guignard, thanks for joining me again, mate. Uh, Thanks for being here. Oh, Eric, it's a pleasure to be here. I am so excited uh, to talk with you. You always bring out the best in me, so I am here for you. Thank you, sir. Uh, So today's topic area is a continuation of a series of discussions I'm having with lots of different people around this concept of lifelong learning. And before we get into the questions, just a couple of scene setting things just to orient um, the listeners and um, definitely an education piece for myself that the University of Melbourne in 2020 posted a blog that they titled Lifelong Learning is the New Order. And an associate professor at that institution, um, an associate professor of economics, Michael Coelli said the following, now people in many jobs are being asked to update on a very regular basis to keep up to date with what's going on in their field. In other words, lifelong learning, while not a new phenomenon, is becoming the norm. And as an extension of that, just for scene setting, Robert, Aileen Kaplan in 2016 provided a definition that I think will help help us through the conversation at lifelong learning um, as an approach is an educational phenomenon that includes all life processes from when you, when you're born till you die and all activities aim to develop an individual's knowledge, skills, and competencies. And and the process has been described as has been described as a rapid change through which individuals acquire competencies in different areas during their lives. So that that's a bit of a scene set. So from to, to get the ball rolling here, Robert, what has your learning journey looked like beyond your compulsory schooling in, in broad terms? It has encompassed so many things about life. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, mentioned the compulsory 
learning, you know, when we go to high school, you know, uh, junior high school, in my case, then high school and then college, uh, those are, that's the learning that is supposed to prepare you basically for the workforce uh, to make a living. And, and so I know at this stage, stage in my life now that there's, a, there's different stages of learning. So that, that stage where it was compulsory, it was, it was for basically uh, wage earning purposes to be able to uh, provide for myself, live a good life as best I could and, you know, create uh, some sort of legacy for my family. And so that learning was intentional in that it was uh, set up for me to earn a living. And so I think later on in life, and we'll talk about this later on, is that the learning became personal and intentional because it was things I wanted to learn uh, and, and really uh, put my heart and soul in those things that I learned to make me a better person. So um, for me, it, the compulsory learning did what it was supposed to do. It allowed me to enter the workforce, to be able to um, jump to many other jobs, to apply those skills that I learned. And again, it was all about working. Uh, but then as I got older, the learning became more uh, personal. It was intentional. And, and I appreciate the learning that I've received as I got older rather than the compulsory learning. Thanks, Robert. You bring that element of time and experience into whatever that learning process was for you. And I'm, I'm finding now in, in thinking about the topic area and this, my thinking was stimulated in the other podcast that you and others have helped me to develop was around in the high school context now they're trying to um, produce develop sorry kids is a better word that, that have an appreciation for being reflective learners and lifelong learners at a, a much earlier stage I think there's massive benefits in that but and and the but here and I, I have no research to back me on this is just a perception that you do a lot of that deeper learning as you experience life and no amount of being taught it in a classroom is going to get you there. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that, Matt? You are absolutely right, Eric. Um, see, it's a difference. Uh, I, I, and, and you and I talked about this in the, in our podcast that we did earlier. And I used music as an example, uh, as I'm, uh, you know, studied music years and years ago. Uh, one of the things that I found with the very talented musicians when we were young or when they were young is a lot of them had so much of the technical skills nailed down. They could play and read music. Uh, it was just flawless, but there was something missing. What was missing uh, were some of the life experiences that you could apply to the way you strike a note. Uh, and, and the feeling that you put behind playing a note. Uh, and those are experiences that only come along with time. And so I, while I understand why some of the, the school systems are trying to um, help these kids become more reflective, but again, you can't, you, you may be able to plant a seed, but it's hard for a kid to understand that uh, a concept at 15 that they really may not experience until they're 30. It doesn't make sense at 15, 14 or 15. And so some of those things, while you can plant a seed of 
this may be what the road entails, you really can't enjoy that experience or, or learn from it until you are actually at that stage. So, you know, you can, you can, again, provide the roadmap, but I think until you live it, that's when it all makes sense. And I'm quite sure you and, and your, uh, your viewers can look back at life and say, I get it. I got the lesson back then because I lived it. I didn't understand when I was younger, you know, mom and dad told me to do the such and such. And I know they were looking out for me, but I didn't get it until I was 30 or until I was 40 when you have kids. And so um, I think it's all time related that while, again, you may be able to plant that seed while they're younger, but it really doesn't make uh, sense. And they can't really uh, wrap their mind around it until they reach a certain age where it's applicable, applicable to their lives. Yeah, I, I have to agree. And I would add to that the experiences you have in the world of work, the experiences you might have if you're in a profession or a professional sports person or if you have some kind of uh, life-threatening issue that comes up in your personal health, all of these things can can change those um, the appreciation for learning over time. If if you if you're having a think about it now, from getting back to you, Robert, has your view of learning changed over time? And if it has, why do you think that is? Yes, my view of learning has changed so much over the years, and I think it's because of Again, living, uh, I would say, a, a good long life so far. I'm 60 now. And, and again, my learning has changed now because I'm at a point in life where I'm learning things because I have a passion to learn them now. It's not job related. It's not performance related. It is about something that I want to learn to satisfy my soul. And so that's a different appreciation for learning. Um, Again, you know, the learning that I did in, in previous years, again, most of that, Eric, was job related to a certain degree. It was how can I better myself or position myself for promotion or to earn more money for another job? But now learning is really about enriching Robert Ginyard. Uh, what makes me a better person? What makes me a better global citizen? And so now what I, what I take in now is intentional. Why do I want to learn such and such? Oh, it gives me a better opportunity to communicate or a better opportunity to make new friends. And so all of that learning now is intentional. Yeah, thank you. The, the, that, that element of intentionality, that is, I think, important in some of this because you're either motivated to do some learning or you're not. And there, there's the informal and, and formal uh, elements there and you could be learning things as you're living life and you're not um, consciously thinking about what you've learned and may reflect on it sometime later so the that that time spent actually thinking about what you've learned I think is um is is really um context specific and a lot of the times yeah. I, I would I would argue and there's a personal argument that until you ask to reflect on a process, then you pick out those elements that might include learning. So um, that, and, and thank you for helping me segue here into um, thinking about lifelong learning from an organizational perspective. So 
from my view of, of things, and this is, again, only one perspective, organisations seem to be supportive of lifelong learning. So from a Robert Guignard view of the world, what's your experience of work taught you about um, organisations' commitment to lifelong learning? Well, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I, I think there's a greater push now because they, from organisations to really understand lifelong learning and how it applies to the workplace. I think the organizations, and rightly so, they want your best. They want you to produce the best. Now, yes, while they they are about lifelong learning, they're really about how can we help you help us? And so, uh, again, I think organizations are recognizing that in order to help our employees be better uh, at what they do. We really have to encourage them to learn, but not only learn what's going to pertain to the job, but also learn about life. And so uh, I, I think a lot of organizations are really starting to make the push to understand lifelong learning. And to me, that shows that they're, they care for the employees. Um, and again, now the, the employees aren't naive thinking that, okay, this is all about uh, me and my, and my life betterment. But again, the employer wants something from you. And so I, I, I get it. They, they want you to be your best to help them be their best. And so if, if you understand that concept of lifelong learning as it applies to the organization, it gives you a better idea. So you may have mandatory training for, such and such or di different certifications that you have to get to. But you also, I said, as the employee, you, you approach that learning to say, okay, I know I have to learn this for the job, but what, how can I apply this to something in my personal life that may help me years down the road? So it has to be a two-way street, if you will, um, so that both parties are getting something out of it. And, and the, the, the key to it is being open-minded to say, hey, I'm learning something new. All right. It may not be the it, it may not be a passion project or a lesson, but what can I pull or extract from it that will help me? Um, and and the employer has every right. They want they want to help you with lifelong long, lifelong learning to all, again help the organization. But you've got to look at it and say, okay, well, what does this training do for me? How can I benefit from it? I know there's a certain part, uh, portion of this that will uh, be applicable to the job. But what can I personally pull away from it? And I think if you approach the, the lifelong learning uh, experience that way, it's a win-win situation. Yeah. So, so specifically, Robert, do you believe that the driver for learning in this context is the individual learner, the business, the education system, or some combination of those things? I think it's the individual learner. Uh, I, I think the the driver is somebody who wants to learn um but again eric depending on the age range you know at at 22 or 23 i wanted to learn specifically with the intention of learning enough to earn more i wanted to learn to earn now at 40 okay still i was in that phase where okay let me learn more to earn more so I can set aside money for retirement. At 50, okay, what else do I need to learn? What, what will help me maximize my earning capacity at this age so that at 60, 
I'm in a position to take care of my family and then kind of kick my heels back a little bit. And so I think it's really up to the individual um, to take on what that learning is going to do for them. But again, I, I think, you know, at different stages of your life, for, for the most part, that learning is really driven by what you want to earn. And as you get older, it's now, again, it comes, it becomes personal. Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree there. And and for those that are watching the video, I will put up the links to our previous discussion on, on leadership. And this is where it gets interesting uh, for someone like me who um, my passion project area is understanding the leadership process and, and as many dimensions as I can is I have often thought that lifelong learning or the, the orientation that way is a component of the leadership process. Now, um, as you've experienced life and you definitely have that experience of being an entrepreneur and there are some subtle differences, I would I would argue, between leaders and entrepreneurs, um, how have you seen lifelong learning from that perspective, from the entrepreneurial perspective? Because you, and, and why I ask this particular question, Robert, is that, like many of my guests, you've been around other leaders and other entrepreneurs. So um, one, one, one element of this question is, have you discussed this with other people or have you seen it in action? And how, what does that look like in that world for you? Sure. Well, um, speaking from the entrepreneurship standpoint, a lot of the lessons I try to pass on to folks are all about the experience. Um, I find myself telling more stories that I hope can provide a reservoir uh, for folks who may be experiencing different things at different stages in their lives where they can say, ah, I remember that story that Robert Guignard told me about such and such. Um, and, and so to me, that's the, that's the best leadership model is to be able to explain situations, tell stories so that when someone is in a position where they have to make a decision, they have a story or some nugget of uh, wisdom that was dropped upon them that says, okay, this is how I remember Eric doing this or Robert doing this. And so the best leadership style for me is someone who's done it. They walk the walk and talk, uh, talk the talk and walk the walk, but then they provide the stories that are applicable at different junctures in my life where I can say, okay, uh, what do I do at, at the next level? Um, oh, I remember that story again that Eric told me about such and such. And so now you've planted that seeds. And if you recall, when we opened up the conversation, I talked about planting, um, you know, planting seeds of, of knowledge and stories and a database for folks to go be, be able to go back to and say, okay, I remember that story. It wasn't applicable at age 20, but now at 35, ah, I get it. And so to me, the, the best leadership model is someone who's talk the talk, walk the walk, but the stories that they can leave behind to leave a blueprint for basically for someone else to follow. And to me, that's, that's what I love out of, uh, uh, and admire about the leaders that because they're not telling you what to do, they're telling you what they've done, what they've experienced, and then they leave it to you to say, okay, how can I uh, adapt this to my situation? Yeah, it's it's fascinating the 
the amount of times that I've heard from people I've spoken to on in this topic area and leadership in general that storytelling as a communication tool is critically important for the leadership process and that um, it's given this discussion, it seems that it's as applicable to um, learning from, from an individual perspective that it seems that, that people crave a story to try and put things into context. And the fact that you've gotten to a point in your, sorry. Um, yeah. So what, what I would, what I was going to say to you, um, sorry, I'm just trying to find my words here is uh, that storytelling is seems to be critically important um, Robert. And from the perspective that I've seen that, people walk away and may not remember a day's worth of information that you might have imparted, but they remember, hey, Robert told a story about X, Y, and Z, and then I remember this other story, and you relate to the world in some senses that way. Um, I, I find that uh, always fascinating because I, I like a good story, and um, but I don't necessarily the ones that are the world of work because everyone's experience is a little different. But I think as I've gotten older, you can pick out the nuggets of wisdom in what the process was. So you might yes. share a story and I might go, Robert, I wouldn't have done half the the stuff that you did, but <laughs> I understand why you did what you did. So it's not a judgment call on you so much as you compare, you put yourself in the story and you go, I would have done it another way. And that, well, that's you know, easy. And Eric, when you think about it, uh, you know, think about some of your, your old professors or former professors and, and, and uh, high school teachers, maybe even elementary school teachers. Um, what you remember most is maybe their style of delivery, but the stories that they shared. Um, and and, and you, you remember the story so much that it helped you connect all the dots. You may not remember every lesson that they, they shared with you in terms of the, the academics that they were trying to push on you, but you do remember a story. And that's how we live our lives is, you know, it's really about situations and stories. Uh, and, and I'll share this. Uh, one of the things that uh, I incorporated in, in a book that I'm writing is that I didn't want to have a book, Eric, full of quotes, because I think we all live our own quotes. You know, there, there are certain situations that come up Eric, where I know you can quote something that you've come up with that means the world to you. It may not have the same meaning to anybody else in the world, but you have created something that maybe inspires you or motivates you. Um, and the same thing with storytelling. It, storytelling is the um, ability to tell a story, but then a good storyteller leaves room for you to fit yourself in that story. And, and so to me, leadership is about that. It's, hey, this is what I did, or this is what I experienced. Um, and you, you set the framework in such a way that hey, you can just pop in different characters, different people in that story um, and fill in the blanks. And to me, that's what leadership is about. And that's how I've approached my entrepreneurship uh, as well is that, you know, it's about experiences that I share with other people and hopefully they can apply those stories and insert themselves in their situations in it so that it helps them be, become better leaders, better entrepreneurs, better business people. And so that's how I approach it. Yeah, no, fabulous. So, Robert, final question here. What advice would you give to my listeners around 
lifelong learning. So if, if you could give them something that they could take for their leadership toolkit, what 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 might that be? My advice would be to, as best you can, look at the totality of life um, in terms of life learned lessons, knowing that how putting together all of these lessons and how do they fit in the puzzle of life. And, and, and if I, I think if you look at different situations um, and then to, to take the time, Eric, to reflect on, okay, you know, let's, I'm just going to pop off the top of my head. You know, you leave in the morning and you're stuck in traffic. Okay. Uh, all right. So the situation is you're stuck in traffic, but did you leave on time? Did you prepare yourself? So, you know, but see, we're in, a, in such a rush, rush society. A lot of times we don't take the time to look back at what set these other things in motion. And so my advice to folks in terms of is how to approach lifelong learning is that be open to the process, be open to learning, but then you also have to turn that learning into knowledge. So I look at, I look at it like a, a bank transaction um, or, or, or let's say your brain is the bank. Um, you do all of this learning making and the learning is the deposits that you make. Your withdrawals of, uh, the, the withdrawal is the, is the knowledge. And so when you withdraw from that, that bank, that brain, you are withdrawing knowledge. So that is the uh, application of what you learned, how you've been able to process it, how you've been able to apply it to lifelong situations so that now you say, okay, all right, I knew what contributed to me being stuck in traffic. I didn't leave early. You know, I wanted to take those five extra sips of coffee and jump in my car and expect that traffic was going to flow with no problems. And so again, you know, so those are the things that I try to encourage people to do is to, to be open to the learning process, but then look at it all collectively because that's when it all makes sense, Eric. That's when the puzzle pieces fit. And so that's my approach to lifelong learning is be open to it, but then be open to processing what you learned and then applying what you learned in the form of knowledge to another situation. I'd like to thank Robert today for sharing his views on lifelong learning. Thanks again for your support of the podcast. Please drop a like if you enjoyed the content today or help me grow the channel by becoming a subscriber. Thanks again. Have a great week. Look after yourselves and we'll catch you on the next episode of Talking Leadership TV.